Luke chapter 22, verse 7. Then they came to the day of unleavened bread. Sounds good, thank you. They came to the day of the unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we might eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you enter the city, a man will meet, you will meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room that I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There, make ready. So they went in, found it just as he said, and there they prepared the Passover. Verse 14. And when the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve disciples, and he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat it with you until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took another cup and gave thanks. He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also he took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me at the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. Then they begin to question among themselves which of them it would do such a thing. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest in the kingdom. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so many among you. On contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him also be the younger. And he who is the governor, let him, who, let him serve. For, who, for he, who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not the one who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who are continued with me in my trials. And I bestowed upon, upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed upon me that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Just for a few moments this morning, I want to preach on the thought, the most important meal of all. The most important meal of all. Would you say that with me? The most important meal of all. Shout it out. The most important meal of all. Father, I come to you in the name of your Son. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we thank you for this word. We pray your word would go forth to good soil. Your word likens our heart to soil. And I pray that it would be pliable today, that we would receive what you have to say. And most of all, Lord, we would be people that you've called us to be a community, a body of Christ who exemplifies your love to the world, salt and light to the world. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Now, if you've been here the last few weeks, you will know that I am in a sermon series called Meals with Jesus. Everybody shout, Meals with Jesus. Everybody shout that out with me, Meals with Jesus. And I think this is the fourth sermon series that we are in called Meals with Jesus. And so I want you to listen to 
uh, my sermon today on the most important meal of all. For the last few Sundays, we've looked at the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, we have found different times that Jesus has ate with somebody and Jesus had a meal with somebody. Do you know that in the book of Luke alone, Jesus eats with people at least 10 times? 10 times Jesus is found eating with somebody in the book of Luke. Jesus is either going to a meal, he's either at a meal, or he's coming home from a meal. Now, let me get that. In the book of Luke alone, I mean, it's found throughout the Gospels, but especially in the book of Luke, Jesus is either eating, he's either at a meal, he's coming home from a meal, or going to a meal. And that's found throughout the book of Luke. And I want you to notice that every time Jesus eats with somebody, in the book of Luke, something happens. Something happens to people when Jesus begins to eat with them. Something supernaturally happens. People's lives are changed when Jesus eats with people. Now let me ask you a question. Why in the world would Jesus eat with people? Because I am a firm believer that Jesus used meals as a means to reach people. Jesus actually disrupted people's normal standards by breaking tradition, by eating with them. Jesus broke men's traditions. He never broke the law, but he did break tradition. You see, the Bible says in Luke 5 that Jesus ate with sinners. That's not very becoming of a holy man to eat with sinners. Jesus broke tradition. Jesus would allow women at the table, and women were never allowed to sit at the table, more or less women to wash your feet. That was never allowed, but Jesus in Luke chapter uh, 7, allowed a woman to wash his feet at the table as they were eating. Jesus also rebuked a bunch of Pharisees. If you heard the sermon last week, Jesus basically told people off at the table. Well, that's probably not a very way, very, I mean, if you're a guest, I would assume the guest should never tell the owner of the house off. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He just gave everybody a piece of their mind that day and called them all hypocrites at the table. And you don't do that if you're a guest. But Jesus was a guest that day. He had enough of their religious, he had enough of their religiousity and he just told everybody off and said they're just a bunch of hypocrites, whitewashed sepulchers, dry bones, you know. And then the lawyers at the table said, well, Jesus, you're offending us. And Jesus turns around to them and said, well, let me, as I'm at it, let me just tell you off too. Somebody say amen. So if you was here last week, Jesus just told a bunch of people off at the dinner table. I don't know about you, but if you invited me to your house, if I liked you or didn't like you, I probably wouldn't share that with you as you're feeding me. Can I hear an amen? I mean, usually if you're sitting at a table, you're least cordial and you're least, you know, even if you don't like the person, you still put a smile on your face. And even if you think the chicken is burnt, you eat it anyway. Even if you don't like the food, you just go on with, because you're a guest. Not so with Jesus, because last week you learned Jesus just told everybody off at the table. And I can see some of you tonight, I can see some of you this morning, you all got that spirit in you. You would like to tell some folks off, wouldn't you? Come on, somebody, say amen. If you're going to tell somebody off, just don't do it at the dinner table, all right? I'm just joking, I'm just joking. So Jesus broke all kinds of customs, didn't he? He, broke, he allowed women at the table. He, he, as a guest, he told people off, you shouldn't do that. He, he even allowed a woman to wash his feet at the table. Well, listen, women in the Jewish days didn't sit with men at the table, nor did they wash 
nor did a woman of the city would, would be even allowed at the table. Because eating in the Jewish world was a sign of hospitality. Eating in the Jewish world was a sign of association. Jewish leaders would have guests over to the house so they could talk about the law. Uh, 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 fathers would invite their children and grandchildren at the table and their slaves at the table. Kings would allow people who were honored guests to sit at the head of the table. Usually women would serve. Jesus just broke all kinds of rules when you invited him to your house to eat. Jesus broke the rules. You see, the Bible says in Luke chapter 7, verse 37, look at, look at behind me. Luke chapter 7, verse number 37. Luke chapter 7, verse number 37. This is what it says. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend, a tax, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So here in this scripture, Jesus is the Son of Man, and He is eating and drinking with sinners not only is he eating and drinking with sinners, but the Bible says that Jesus was a friend to sinners. Now, this is what I want you to see, ladies and gentlemen. We have become so religious in our churches that we stay away from the world. We stay away from the unsaved. I mean, most of us, I would assume, we don't have a lot of unsaved friends. We do a lot of our business with church people. We we, we socialize, go out to eat with church people, and for us to have friends that's non-Christians is not popular with some folks. But Jesus was accused of eating with sinners and associating with sinners. He was a friend to tax collectors, and Jesus would eat with them. Now let me ask you a question. Why would Jesus eat with sinners? Because Jesus is saying this, I am interested in you. I want to know about you. I want to be friends with you. Jesus understood a principle, and that is this. Contact without contamination. Contact without contamination. I can be in contact with you, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be contaminated by you. What you are doing is not going to rub off on me. As a matter of fact, what I'm doing might rub off on you. Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Let me say that again. Just because you hang around with the unsaved doesn't mean you approve of what they do and you shouldn't participate in what they do, but you can befriend them, you can speak life into them, and that could change somebody's life. You see, Jesus ate with people because that provided a door into their heart. You see, when you eat together, what are you saying when you eat together? It's a picture of fellowship. It's a picture of friendship. It's a picture of community. It's a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of hospitality. When you sit at the table, do you notice that all the chairs are the same level and you're looking at each other? Because at the table, there's not big eyes and little U's. We're all fellowshipping on the same level. Can I hear an amen? So when you eat with somebody, it is saying, I care about you. I want to get to know you. I am interested in you. Not only are you feeding your physical man, but you are connecting relationally and emotionally with people. Listen, I'm not talking about food this morning. If you think I'm talking about food, you missed my whole point. Food is a means to an end. You see, Jesus used a meal to connect with people. He used a meal to open their heart up. Is it possible? Let me ask you three questions. Let me ask you, and I want you to answer them this morning yourself. 
Number one, is it possible that table fellowship can cause a conversation about God? When you sit at the table, can it be possible if you sit with a sinner, is it possible maybe you can talk about God and they receive it because you're blessing them with a meal? Is it possible that table fellowship can cause a conversation about God? Number two, is it possible that a meal can change somebody's life? Is it possible that a meal can change somebody's life? One of my greatest experiences in life is when I was sitting at the table with my mentors and they're talking with me and I'm crying and my tears are dripping into my sandwich. Dripping into my soup. I'm feeding physically but yet there's connection emotionally and spiritually, something happened. Is it possible that a meal can change somebody's life? Is it possible that you can use a meal to befriend somebody? Listen, people won't come to church, but if you take them out to eat, they are more likely to go out to eat with you than they would go to church. So is it possible that you can use a meal to change somebody's life? You see, what I'm trying to say to you this morning, why don't we use the method of Jesus? The method of Jesus to win people was that he ate with them and that opened people's hearts to them. You can make Wendy's a sanctuary for God. You can make Logan's a sanctuary for God. You can make Freddy's a sanctuary for God. You can make Texas Roadhouse a sanctuary for God. You can make Olive Garden a sanctuary for the presence of God. Instead of talking about the weather and sports and foolish jesting, why don't you use the opportunity to say, Brother, why don't you tell me what you're doing in your church? What is God doing in your life? Would you take a few moments and open up your mouth and feed me something more than chicken and mashed potatoes? Let's feed off others people's spirits. But nowadays... We sit at the table and we're so preoccupied with our phones. We don't even look at people at the table any longer. And it, it, it really, it re I'm not a parent, but it really just blows my mind about parents. It just blows my mind away. I've been at tables. They're throwing food at you. Throwing plates on the floor. No table manners. Come on, somebody. Just blows my mind. No discipline at the table. No manners at the table. You can't even have a conversation because parents don't know how to discipline their children at the table. Well, I'm preaching so good up in here. Can somebody just help the white boy preach right now? Can somebody wave your hand and say, preach on, preacher? You say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? You're, listen, I grew up where my grandma was a big woman, you know, big woman. She, she wore those high heels, beehives, and I've been smacked in the mouth many times because when you sit down at the table, you were to sit at the table and have a conversation, and when they ask you a question, you just didn't do, I don't, I don't know. You perked up, you looked them out of the face and said, yes, Grandma, I had a wonderful day. How was your day? Can, can somebody just help this preacher preach a little bit? It's a, thank you, thank you, Grandma over there. We, we, what has happened to our society? I know, uh, Sister Raylene back there, she's doing this. Thank you, Sister Raylene. 
what has happened to our society. Well, I didn't mean to. Is, is this all right, Pastor? How many of this is the truth? So using a meal, can, you see, I'm not preaching something that I haven't done before. Some of my most powerful experiences is when I met with people over dinner. I remember one time I went out to eat with somebody. I'm not going to tell you who it is. This is a while ago, long while ago, long time ago. Sitting at the table, they invited me out to eat. And we're just having a conversation just about the Lord, about what God wanted to do. And I was busy that day. And they, they asked me several times, and I almost postponed it to another day because I was busy. But they're like, well, let's go. We want to take you out to eat. We want a fellowship. So we met at Logan's, and as we're talking, they slipped a check across the table, and I opened it up. It was for $5,000. They said, we just wanted to take you out to eat to, to tell you we love you and wanted to bless you. And I'm thinking right there, I thank God for meals. I just praise the Lord. Because you don't know what can happen at the dinner table. <laughs> Business transactions happen at the... On and on. Happen at the dinner table. Jesus was at the dinner table in Luke chapter 22, wasn't He? And... After I got that check, I was like, well, since we're here, we're just going to eat dessert, too. <laughs> Y'all know I like desserts, don't you? So Jesus is in this story, and this is the most important meal of all. Now, we've learned how Jesus responded to the tax collectors at his house. We, we've... If you've been here every Sunday, we've learned how he told people off at the table. But this, he institutes the most important meal of all. This is the most important meal. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, you don't have to turn there to be behind me. Luke chapter 22, just look at the phrase here. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 7. Luke chapter 22, verse 7, In the day of the unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed, He sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we might... Somebody say, eat. Jesus is getting ready to eat again. How about that? And Jesus is getting ready not only to eat by Himself, but Jesus is going to eat with His disciples. Jesus is getting ready to eat with somebody. And the very first, I'm going to give you three points because that's just how I operate. That's how my mind operates. If you don't like it, you know, that's fine. But I'm going to give you three points because I think it's good. Number one, in this story about the, the most important meal, number one, you see the proclamation of the presence of Christ. The proclamation of the presence of Christ. In this story, you see the proclamation of the presence of Christ. Verse number 8, look at it. Verse number 8, Luke 22, verse 8. He says, go and get the Passover that, that we might eat it. Somebody say, eat it. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 11. Go down to verse number 11. Verse number 11. Then they shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest that I might eat 
the Passover with my disciples. Somebody say, eat. And verse number 15, look at verse 15, Luke twenty-two fifteen. 15. And then he said to them, with a fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. So let me ask you a question. Does Jesus want to eat with his disciples? I'm going to ask you one more time. Does Jesus want to eat with his disciples? One more time. Does Jesus want to eat with his disciples? He wants to eat. Do you notice what verse number 8 says? Verse, I'm, I'm sorry, verse number 15. Luke 22, verse 15. Look at the wording here. And then he said, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus said, I have an incredible desire to eat with you. I have a longing to eat with you. I really want to eat with you before I'm hung on the cross. Before I go and suffer, I really do want to eat with you. This is not playing games. I really do want to sit down at the table and I want to eat with you. When we come to the table of the Lord this morning, the first thing I want you to see is the proclamation of the presence of Christ, that Christ desires to eat with us at his table. Jesus said to his disciples, I have a fervent desire to eat this with you before I suffer. You see, Jesus understood that this supper was called the Passover supper. It is an Old Testament celebration. You know what the Passover was? In the Old Testament, they commemorated God's deliverance from the land of Egypt. God's freedom from the land of Egypt. So every time the Jews sit down at the table and they ate those bitter herbs, when they ate those bitter herbs, they were remembering the slavery that they had in Egypt. When they begin to, when they begin to break the bread, they remember how uh, they remember how their own backs were broken under the burden of slavery. When they were eating together, they remembered their suffering, but not only their suffering, but they also remembered their deliverance from the land of Egypt. And the death angel would pass over them when the blood was put over the doorpost of their homes. And God had a mass exodus of people that night out of the land of Egypt. And God told his people from now on, from every generation, I want you to commemorate my Passover. I want you to remember what I did in the land of Egypt. I want you to remember that it was me that delivered you from the land of bondage. So every year, those Jewish people would sit down and they would eat and they would remember what God did in Egypt. You see, they found their identity in what they ate. Every time they ate the Passover meal, it was their identity because they remembered what God did in Egypt. How God delivered them after 400 and some years of bondage. It was God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob who brought them out with His stretched hand out of the land of Egypt. And they remembered year after year, every time they ate of that, they remembered their liberation from the land of Egypt. And Jesus said, I want to eat the Passover with you. I want to sit down. I have a fervent desire to eat this with you before I suffer. I want to remember what God did in Egypt. 
that's what Jesus is saying. I, I want to remember what God did in Egypt, but something happened in this meal. Something happened in this meal that was different from all other Passover meals that was being celebrated in Israel. Everybody else was in their homes. Everybody else was eating the food. And they were remembering what God did in the land of Egypt. But this time, in a little upper room, Jesus said, I'm going to eat it with you. But now, it's going to be different. Jesus takes the bread. He breaks it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He takes the cup and says, this cup is shed for you, for your sins. Jesus is saying, listen, I know what God did for you in Egypt, but I am instituting a new covenant with you. I am instituting a new covenant. This time, my very body and my very blood is going to bring you out of a spiritual Egypt is going to bring you out of sin. It is going to bring you out of slavery. And not only are you physically brought out of Egypt, but this time spiritually I'm bringing you out of Egypt. The first time when they ate the Passover meal year after year, they were commemorating physically what God did. But this time when they ate the Passover meal, Jesus is saying, I want you now to remember me. The first time I want you to remember how God physically brought you out. But this time, I want you to remember how I'm spiritually bringing you out. I'm going to bring you out of your slavery. I'm going to bring you out of your sickness. I'm going to bring you out of your sin. Some of you have been delivered from Egypt, but Egypt is still in you. Because sin is not only a location. Sin is also spiritually. <laughs> Jesus broke it. Gave it to him. Took the cup. Blessed it. Gave it to them. Said, remember me now. This is a new covenant. This is for your sins. I can't help but to think... Isn't that what God is? He's the all-breasted one. He's the all-shaddai. What does a breast do? It feeds an infant. God is the all-breasted one. Your responsibility is just open your mouth and let Him fill you. And at the table, all their responsibility was was not breaking the bread, not praying over it. Open your mouth and just receive what I want to give you. That's what the Father does. Open your mouth and I will fill it. You see, when you eat together at the table, there's community together. And you know, I really hope that I'm not up here sweating and preaching and we're letting this go in one ear and out the other. Like, you know, we just leave and never think about it during the week. I've asked you a challenge to eat with your family. Put away cell phones. Invite the unsaved to your house. And I promise you, they will open their hearts to God. 
There's people that will never come and darken the door of this church, but they will come to your house to fellowship. Thank you for the two hands. I'm going to say it again. So there's some people that will never darken the door to this church, but they will come to your house if you invite them. They will go out to eat, and that's a prime opportunity to invest yourself into people. Jesus, because I can just imagine when Jesus was breaking the bread, said, this is broken, I'm giving it to you. I can just imagine what those disciples were thinking. This, I remember the stories of the Old Testament, how God would rain down manna from heaven and feed his people how he would give them quail to eat. I remember how God, reading in the Scriptures, how he would provide water from a rock. God was always providing food for his people, and their responsibility was just to open their mouth and receive it. And isn't that the dilemma of today? The Word of God is preached every Sunday, and yet some of us won't open our mouth to receive the Word. We will open our heart to receive the word. He is still at the table breaking bread and giving juice. And he's saying, will you open your heart? Will you open your mouth to receive it? Every week it's preached. And people's lives are still the same. They're never changed. They're still in depression. They're still sick. It's a yo-yo Christian life. My God, not only do I believe in a breakthrough, I believe in a stay-through. Can I hear somebody this morning? He broke it and gave it to them, and all they had to do was open their mouth. Open their mouth. It's all they had to do. And isn't that all we have to do today? In our mouth. You see, in the land of Egypt, before they were delivered, they had six types of food. But when they went into the promised land, they had seven types of food. The difference between the promised land and the land of Egypt was the food. Because God identified His promises said that when you go to the land that I want you to go, their food's going to be different than the food that you had in the land of Egypt. You see, when we come to this table, we are proclaiming the presence of Christ, that Christ is here. He said to His disciples, I have a fervent desire to eat it with you. I want to eat it with you. And when we come to the table, we are acknowledging the proclamation of the presence of Christ, that Christ is at His table told his disciples, I have a desire to eat it with you. I want to eat it. It's my table. You know what he said? Luke 22, verse 30. Look at it. Luke 22, verse 30. Luke 22, verse 30. That you may eat and drink at my table. It's not your table. It's his table. You see, when you put that bread and that juice in your mouth this morning, you are acknowledging the proclamation of the presence of Christ. Number two, when we eat of this table this morning, it is a proclamation of the sacrifice of Christ. Not only is it a proclamation of the presence of Christ, it is a proclamation of the sacrifice of Christ. 
sacrifice of Christ. You see, that's what Jesus did. He used terms that dealt with sacrifice. My body given, my blood shed. Those are sacrificial terms. My body is given, my blood is shed, just like the lamb in the Old Testament. That body was given to eat. Jesus, in essence, saying spiritually, my body is given to you to eat as well. And you know what's interesting to me? Sometimes you can't just read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. Jesus stands up, blesses the bread, blesses the juice, turns to his disciples and said, take this, this is my body. This is my blood. Now hold on here. I just got to understand something. Jesus is sitting at a table speaking to Jewish men who were skilled in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament clearly states in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 12 that no Jewish person is allowed to drink blood. Can I just say that again? He is speaking to Jews. Is that right? And Jews were taught they were not allowed to drink blood. Now why is it that Jesus is speaking to Jews, telling them to drink blood, when they themselves know they can't drink blood because it's against the law? Because nowhere in this story is Jesus trying to say, the juice is my actual blood. Or the bread is my actual body. Jesus is saying that when you do this, I want you to remember that my blood was shed. And when you do this, I want you to remember that my body was broken just like the bread is broken. So we remember what he did. In other words, Jesus is saying, remember my sacrifice. Just like the bread is broken, just like the blood is given, you remember that my blood was given for you and my body was broken for you. You see, this is so very important, ladies and gentlemen. You know why this is so very important? It's very important because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Did you hear me? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, there are some of you this morning, maybe you've had a trouble with gambling. Maybe you've been a wife abuser. Maybe you have violated the law of God. Maybe you have been filled with perversion and lust. Maybe you have committed adultery. Whatever your grievous sins may be, if you are in Christ, the destroyer has been passed over you and you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Boy, hallelujah. I said whatever your sin is in Christ, the destroyer has been passed over you and you are delivered. There's an old song we used to sing in church. Have you been to Jesus for His cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Is your garment spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hallelujah. When we partake of the table, we remember that Christ is there. He desires to eat it with us. We remember the, the proclamation of the sacrifice of Christ. Remember because it was His blood. 
In Him, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.7, Ephesians 1.7, In Him we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His great mercy. It's in Him we have redemption. Redemption. See, the U.S. government can take a small piece of paper and print Andrew Jackson's name and picture on it. And that would be worth $20. And that's what we call money. A mechanic can take a beat-up car, falling apart, refurbish it, fix it, sell it, so much more than what it was worth. That's what I call skill. Rockefeller can sign his name to a piece of paper and make it worth millions of dollars. This is what I call business. An artist can take a piece of canvas, paint something beautiful on the piece of canvas, and it would be worth thousands of dollars. And that's what we call art. But Jesus can take a messed up life, wash it in His blood, put His Spirit upon Him and in Him. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what I call salvation. When you come to the table, let us not forget the proclamation of the sacrifice of the Son of God. In closing, when you come to the table, let us not forget the proclamation of the kingdom of Christ. You know, what did Jesus say in closing? Jesus said this. Jesus said, verse number 18, Luke 22, 18. Look at it behind me. Luke 22, verse 18. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Is that what it says? Look at verse number 30. Jesus says it again, 22, verse 30. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will have thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You know what Jesus is saying? When you sit down at this table and you eat the Passover with me, I want to remind you that when you eat this, I want you to future look because there's going to be another banquet table that all of us is going to sit down at. And I'm not going to eat this again with you. I'm going to eat with you today. But the next time I eat it with you, it's going to be in my kingdom. So when you come to this table this morning and you eat of this bread and you drink of this cup, not only do you remember that Christ is here, not only do you remember His sacrifice, but let's also remember that one of these days we're going to sit down at the banquet table and all of us from every age and every walk and every tribe and every kindred around the world is going to sit down at a table and we're going to eat with brothers and sisters from around the world. That table is something that all of us is going to do in His kingdom. Can you imagine in His kingdom? All of us 
is going to sit down and eat it with him in future tense. And this time when we eat it, there's not going to be no division. Black church and a white church and a Hispanic church and all of us taking communion at different buildings at different times because of division. But we are going to partake of the communion and the table of the Lord and we're going to sit down at the table and the black hands is going to join the white hands and the white hands is join the Hispanic hands and the Hispanic hands. Will, come on, somebody. Oh, there is no division at His table. Isaiah 25, 6. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples on the mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pipes of marrow, pieces of marrow, refined aged wine. See, ladies and gentlemen, he said there's coming a banquet, a lavish banquet that's going to come. The Lord himself is going to prepare it. It's further echoed in Revelation 19.7, let us rejoice. Revelation 19.7, let us rejoice and be glad. Give glory to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made Himself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts. Got to get ready. So when we eat this this morning, this is the most important meal that Jesus ever ate of. And guess what? When it's all said and done, we're all going to sit down again. And we're going to eat at a table. It's no wonder the psalmist David says he prepares a table in the presence of my own enemies. Somebody say praise the Lord. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today?